The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Our scripture this morning is John 1, starting in verse 35. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Hillary, for reading God's word. And I just want to reiterate what Sir Gregory already said. Uh, thank you for joining us for worship. It's, it's a privilege um, to be able to come and, and gather to hear from the Lord, to enjoy each other's fellowship. fellowship. But um, also the guests uh, for you guys, thank you again for joining us. Hopefully this is not your last Sunday. Uh, ran into a guy, uh, I'm not going to put his name out. But uh, he said it's his third time coming, and so I'm always meeting new people, and I uh, love to see new faces, so thank you. But before we move forward, let's, let's go to the Lord and ask him to bless this time in his word, so pray with me. Father, thank you for your living and eternal word, and it's good for us because you reveal yourself through it. And so, God, we come desperate to hear from you. We come to be transformed by your spirit. And so, God, we pray you would do a work that we wouldn't just be mere listeners of your word or hearers of your word, but doers of your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you were invited to something? And do you remember how long did it take you to decide, yeah, I'm a, I'm a roll, I'm a go? Maybe it was the person who was there or that wasn't there that influenced your decision. Well, in the, in the spirit of Super Bowl Sunday, I'm assuming all of us know today is Super Bowl Sunday, but if you don't, 
Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, but in the spirit of Super Bowl Sunday, last week, Chad Johnson, he's a former NFL uh, wide receiver, uh, a six-time Pro Bowler, a.k.a. six-time All-Star. Uh, he put up a lot of good stats. So last week, he was in Las Vegas. And in Las Vegas, he uh, was attending or planning on attending the Pro Bowl. So the NFL hosts this annual All-Star game, and they invite some of the best in the NFL to compete. But Chad had a memorable experience as it relates to extended invitations. And so Chad was in town, and he wanted to congratulate a few guys who were playing in this game and just say, hey, brother, congratulations. And so he invited these guys out for breakfast. Out of all places, IHOP. And I ain't knocking IHOP, you know, if that's your favorite place to go, uh, so be it. But he invited these players to IHOP. Chad shows up early around 7 o'clock in the morning, and to his surprise, nobody was there that he expected to be there. Minutes later, he began to look at the time, and still <laughs> nobody arrived. So Chad begins to, to tweet individual players, calling them out kind of playfully, Hey, yo, wake up. Like, let's go get something to eat at IHOP. Still, nobody replied. And if you think about Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson has a reported net worth of $15 million. Like I said, he's a, a former NFL player, six-time pro bowler. And not only that, he has over 5 million followers on his social media platform. And even Chad couldn't get one, just, just one person to stop by, wave, hey, bro, I see, you know. He didn't get one person to stop by. And so I, I can relate. Um, I ain't got the accolades like Chad Johnson, and I definitely got the pockets, the money like Chad Johnson. But at the same time, if somebody stood me up, I would feel some kind of way as well, right? But we all been there. We, we know that feeling, expecting somebody to show up, and they stand you up. But we know the other side of that feeling, you standing that person up. <laughs> but sometimes, I mean, we, we legitimately don't have the time. To, to squeeze just another thing in our schedule. Sometimes, you know, you get invited to some things, you just like, hey, that ain't, that's not my scene. But if we was really honest, sometimes we don't go because we don't think the person or the persons was even worth our time. But this morning, we, we find ourselves in John chapter 1, where Jesus himself extends a personal invitation, as Charday pointed out, to these common Young men, and it wasn't for, for pancakes. It was for him, it was for them to come and to follow him as his disciples. And based on what the Bible teaches us about Jesus, Jesus definitely wasn't rich, according to the earth or worldly standards. Jesus didn't have a bunch of followers to, to compel anybody to say, yeah, that's the leader I want to follow. So what would compel these individuals to follow Jesus? What will compel you to follow Jesus? But today, I know we have some folks in our midst who's listening or watching via live stream. And you probably found yourself in a season, much of your life, rejecting the invitation of Jesus for several reasons. We don't have time to go into those reasons. And maybe I'm sure it's some of us in our midst that have accepted that Jesus, that has accepted that invitation to follow Jesus quite some time ago, or maybe it was recent. But maybe you find yourself today 
reconsidering, like, man, that means I have to die to myself and my preferences every single day and to say yes to Jesus. But Jesus, he's unlike any other person you will ever meet. Jesus graciously extends this invitation to undeserving people. And by God's grace, this morning, brothers and sisters, I want us to see this main idea from our text, that Jesus invites us to enjoy the abundant blessings of following him. Jesus invites us to enjoy the abundant blessings of following him. In our text, as Hillary read, it, it doesn't contain all of those blessings. It, it doesn't unpack all of those blessings. So I want you to come back. <laughs> For the Jackson folks, I, I understand y'all heading out, but uh, maybe you can watch online. But if you can, come back Sunday after Sunday as we continue to walk through the book of John and see these abundant blessings. But with the time we have this morning, I, I want us to see three blessings that Jesus invites us to enjoy. The first we see in our text is that Jesus invites us to enjoy the blessing of learning from him. You see that in verses 35 through 39. And I can't put it more plain than this, that there is so much to learn about Jesus, and there's so much to learn from Jesus. But this, this knowledge acquired about Jesus is it's much deeper than just mere facts of knowing about him. It's, it's, it's much deeper than just knowing how to quote his teachings for good and positive morals to live by. Because we need more than just positive morals to live by. Anybody can do that. It's called a self-righteous person. But, but, but what we need, more than the morals, we, we need our relationship to be restored with God. And here's the solution. The, the, the spotless, precious lamb of God. And John announced that in our text. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I don't know where you find yourself this morning, but I need to hear that good news. I need to hear that there was a Lamb that came to this world to, to take away my sins. I need to hear that there was a Lamb who came to, to fulfill what I couldn't fulfill that God required. I need to hear that good news. In verse 38, the Apostle John, he records these young, curious disciples' actions. And it's interesting that these disciples were formerly John the Baptist's disciples. But when John, when John the Baptist declared, there is one who is coming who's greater than I, and I'm unworthy to tie, untie his sandals, as our dear brother Pastor Mike, he laid that out last week. But John said, hey, go follow him. That's the Messiah. It ain't about me. I'm not territorial amongst my, my disciples. But the disciples began to walk behind Jesus. And, and Jesus turned and said, what are you seeking? I wonder if we was in the disciples' shoes, how would we respond to that question? Jesus turns to you and asks you, Brandon, what are you seeking? Jesus, the God, man, he knew that these young disciples were seeking, but for our sake and for their sake, he wanted them to acknowledge it. And their response, Jesus, we want to know where you stand. 
I don't know about you, but it kind of took me aback. When I first read that, I'm like, this is like the Messiah, the long way to Messiah. And you can ask him anything. He literally asks, what are you seeking? And they ask, we want to know what Airbnb you checked in at. <laughs> but, but on surface, it may seem silly, but we got to remind ourselves of the, or consider the historical and the cultural context. It had already been established that they referred to Jesus as a rabbi. He's a teacher. And these disciples wanted to learn from him. So look how this gracious rabbi responds to these disciples. Come and you will see. And so he, is, he extended this invitation for them to come and spend time with him. I mean, what an experience that would have been to be a fly on that mud plaster wall it just kind of eavesdropped on that conversation. The text doesn't tell us what they talked about, <laughs> what kind of questions the disciples asked, or how Jesus responded. But we do know, we do know the reality of Jesus' personhood, that he is the word of life. In other words, whatever they asked and whatever he said, they were getting the goods, <laughs> the best of the best. But what do, we, what do we learn about these disciples? We can't miss this that these disciples, they humbly postured themselves to hear from Jesus, to learn about Jesus. And we must face that hard question ourselves. Who or what are we primarily posturing ourselves to learn from? I mean, we, we live in a time that there's experts about everything, right? Even self-proclaimed experts, <laughs> I mean, you can go on social media, everybody got reels, you know, three easy ways to start a side hustle, three easy ways to do this. It's like, I mean, you get overwhelmed by those things. Now, hear me out. I'm not knocking all those things. Some of those things I benefited from, and I'm sure you have. Some of you guys probably are some social media influencers that we don't know about. We need to follow you, so we'll put your, your uh, handle up there later. I'm joking. But... We do find ourselves giving our time and our attention, our energy to other secondary sources of knowledge. But what Jesus wants to teach us through these disciples is that he wants him, his, his teaching, his way to be the primary means, the way we navigate life. I mean, Jesus is not out of touch with the times. I mean, some people could say, well, Artez, I mean, yeah, I believe, you know, there was a man named Jesus. He walked the earth, and he taught some good sermons or some good teachings. But that was like 2,000 years ago. Brother, it's 2022. Jesus is not out of touch with the times. I mean, have you considered Jesus as the perfect sex educator? I mean, his word, he, he, he created sex. He created sex to be good. I mean, have you ever looked at Jesus like, man, that's the first person I want to go to to learn about sex? Parents, don't feel uncomfortable. Kids, hey, y'all can have that conversation later about how you got here. But, but Jesus is the perfect sex educator. Have you ever considered that Jesus is the perfect accountant? Like, he's, he has a lot of teachings about how we ought to govern our money. Nope, his money. <laughs> how to store his resources that he blessed us with. Have you ever considered Jesus as the perfect relationship expert? Whether you're single whether you're dating, engaged, 
Mary, he has a lot to say how we ought to relate to one another in a healthy way that's pleasing to him. Jesus calls us, just like these disciples, to be lifelong learners of him. And I'll be the first one to admit, this is not an easy thing to do. It takes intentionality. It, it, it takes help from someone who probably an extra step ahead of, ahead of you. But let me just, let me just submit maybe a, a potential next step for, for us all to consider. How about this? It's Sunday, right? How about we commit the next six days to spend at least just 10 minutes with Jesus? 10 minutes. 10 minutes, I mean, you think about 24 hours, that's less than 1% of our day. Take 10 minutes. And that's what I want us to do, all of us to do. I want you to pray. Pray, God, thank you for your word. Pray, God, humble me to learn from your word. And third, pray, God, help me live your word. And, and I'm going to give you something to make it a little bit more practical. We've been going through John so far. We only 51 verses in. Just look back on those previous 51 verses. Just take 10 minutes and, and then learn from the Lord. And brothers and sisters, that's, that's a way to cultivate a lifestyle of being a lifelong learner of Jesus. Jesus invites us to experience his blessing of learning from him. But our texts also teach us that Jesus invites us to experience and enjoy the blessings of bringing others to him. Did you see that trend when Hillary was reading the passage? Look in verse 40 through 46. Jesus had already had this encounter with the disciples. He tells them to come and to see where he was staying. And they apparently stayed and visit with, visited with Jesus for an extended period of time. And again, like I said earlier, we don't know exactly what the, 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 the content of that conversation was, but whatever they talked about, these brothers were inspired. <laughs> they were transformed. Look in verse 41. Shortly after their time with Jesus, Andrew, he left. He left that meeting, went to find his brother Simon. He told him, we found the Messiah. And it's safe to say that Andrew and John were so impressed they were so transformed by this time, they immediately became evangelists, missionaries. No training, <laughs> but ready to go. This type of reaction is no isolated occurrence in the Gospels, particularly in John. I mean, John chapter 4, we'll get there at some point. We see this Samaritan woman that Jesus had this conversation with. He's sharing some things with her, hitting at the core of some idols in her life. But not just that, he wasn't casting shame. He was casting love. He was gracious. He was trying to, trying to redeem her from these, these, these idols that she was in bondage to. Sometime after that conversation, that woman left. She went to her city and told everybody about Jesus. We see it with the blind man in chapter 9. We see it in chapter 20 with Mary when she was at the tomb and the angel of God told her sister, he's risen. And she left. And went to go tell the disciples. These individuals were newly evangelists. No training. They had a testimony. They were completely sold. Have you ever stopped, thought about that we're not only consumers, but we're actually endorsers. We're actually walking billboards. 
I will make the argument that most of us in here probably we're not getting paid by Netflix. Uh, we're not getting paid by ESPN or, or Babalu's. And you're probably saying, why Babalu's? That's a place, that's, that's a go-to for me and my wife. Um, and as much money we spent there, nobody has ever, like, written us a check and said, hey, thank you, uh, Ortez and Ebony, for coming and, and patronizing our business. But we endorse it. I ate them tacos, the veggie tacos are really good, and the grown-up drink. But, um... But all of us can relate. We, we probably watched a Netflix show this past week, binged on a series, and we texting our family members like, hey, you got to check this thing out. This is, we probably saw a TikTok, you know, video. We probably experienced a nice burger from a restaurant. And you said, hey, I got to put the word out. I'm leaving Yelp reviews and everything. I'm endorsing this thing. And they didn't even tell you to endorse it. We're, we are just natural marketers and natural endorsers because we typically brag about the things or the people or the experiences that, that leave a lasting impression on us. And then you ever feel selfish? It's like, man, I can't just hold this in. I have to tell somebody about this show. I have to tell somebody about this restaurant. I have to tell somebody about this park that I just discovered with these beautiful trees and these trails and things of that nature. But church, Jesus is not some product to be consumed. He's not some subscription to be subscribed to. But he's the best experience that we could ever experience. He's selfless. He's loyal. He's sacrificial. He's the perfect protector. He restores us spiritually, emotionally, physically. Bottom line, he's good to undeserving people. So why, church? Why are we the most quiet when it comes to bragging about Jesus and telling others about Jesus? And I know, I feel you, it could be fear. You know, it's scary sometimes. It's, it's intimidating. Sometimes you feel incompetent. Or Tess, what do I say? <laughs> when a person responds, like, how do I even engage in a conversation like that? And sometimes we just get comfortable. It's just me and Jesus. <laughs> I know I'm good. I'm cool with that. But we can't waste any more time being selfish. Because we look around, there's so many people in our world that are hurting. It's so many people at our jobs and our schools searching for purpose, searching for some identity. It's so many people trying to be their own saviors. And that's a tireless pursuit, trying to be your own savior. Our brother Mike told us, he reminded us in John, that John the Baptist, he declared that I am not the Christ. There are individuals walking by us daily. We're engaging with trying to be their own Christ. But God isn't just looking for the seminary train. He's not looking for just the professional evangelists, the, the missionaries. If you have a testimony, if you've been walking with God for any point of time and you experience his grace, his love, and his mercy, you qualify. You qualify. You're competent. But I tell you, man, you don't know my history. You don't know my testimony. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know how many people I've hurt. Join a party. It's a good and gracious God that used broken sinners as vessels for his glory and for the good of others. 
sharing Christ with others, you don't always get a favorable and positive response. And we see this in verses 45 through 46. Philip has this encounter with Jesus. Jesus say, Philip, come follow me. So Philip goes, and he meets Nathaniel, or Bartholomew, and he tells him about Christ. But this is the account we see between Philip and Nathaniel in verse 45. Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, okay. <laughs> but it's not, a, it's not a personal insult to Jesus. We got to dig a little deeper. Nathaniel was hesitant for a couple reasons. So Nathaniel, he, he grew up in Cana. And Cana was essentially in proximity by a couple miles between Nazareth. And so Cana and Nazareth had this, like, rivalry going on, right? Kind of like Germantown and Carville, whatever school. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, just, it's, it's a rival going on. And so the way he responds is like, wait a minute, like, can anything come good out of Nazareth? And also the second reason why he's, he's probably hesitant, because Nathaniel, he was a student of the word. Get this, he was a student of the Old Testament. So he knew the promises that speaks about the coming Messiah that would have been born of Bethlehem. And so he's like, wait a minute, you know, I was reading my scroll earlier this, this morning, and I don't, I don't remember seeing Nazareth in the Old Testament. He's correct. But essentially, Philip is in line. Jesus is of Nazareth because he spent majority of his life there. Philip didn't say he was born. So these are important to, 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 to know why he was hesitant and a little skeptical. He wasn't ready to take Philip at his word. So this is how Philip responds, which is a fitting and, and right response for us when we engage people who are hesitant, maybe skeptics. Philip say, hey, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. It is comforting to know that it's not solely up to us to convince people unto salvation. That's the Lord's work. And so just take a deep breath. <sighs> the pressure is off because God is already at work even before we even have a conversation with somebody. Even before we beat that person, he's already at work. And I think about the, the African theologian and early church father, St. Augustine. He once imagined this, this, this conversation between him and God, and this is what he says, what God said to him. He said, take heart. You would not be seeking me if I had not already found you. Take heart. You would not be seeking me if I hadn't already not found you. Think about it. Being at school as a Christian, sometimes it can feel awkward. You know your friends who probably don't know Christ. You don't want to seem like that person, ah, I'm, I'm coming off of judgmental or, and again, heart beating fast, <laughs> nerves racing, because you know how good God been to you, and you know that this person probably needs to hear this good news. You could be at peace because God is already at work. He's already ahead of you, but he's already with you. Sometimes at work, maybe you have that coworker, 
And it's just like an obvious trend of their life or their conversation. You just hear the despair. You, you, you see the despair in their life. Having exploring different avenues to, to try to fill this deep void in their heart. And you feel that urge. You say, ah, is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it because Jesus, God is already at work before you even said something. He's with you. He's before you. You may have a child who probably strayed away from church, down the faith, and you, <laughs> you try to have that conversation with them over and over, and it just seems like you're just talking to a brick wall. You could be at peace that God is already at work, that God loves them more than you can ever dream or imagine of loving them. He delights in using us to bring others to himself. I mean, how different would your life look if somebody didn't step out their comfort zone despite the differences that they saw before you as a parent or a stranger, a youth pastor, a coach, a teacher? I know God is sovereign. Don't get me wrong. He's sovereign of salvation. But just imagine if somebody just kind of sat back, nah, it's just me and Jesus. What would your life be? So God invites us to go, to share, to brag upon him to the world. Brothers and sisters, lastly, we see in our text that Jesus invites us to enjoy the blessing of witnessing his great work, verses 47 through 52. And the apostle John, he, he actually allows us to see how Nathaniel witnessed the work of Christ firsthand. Look with me in verses 47 through 48. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus immediately affirms Nathaniel's authenticity. He told him he was an Israelite, of whom there was no deceit. And what he was doing, he was going back. Jesus was referencing back to the Old Testament with Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. You see, Jacob, if you remember, Jacob was deceitful. He deceived his brother for his birthright. And so Jesus says, you're, you're an Israelite with no deceit. You're authentic. You're, you're authentic. Nathaniel was so impressed by this affirmation. He said, man, how do you know me? I mean, you ever met somebody for the first time, right? And they say, hey, Sir G, man, I remember, I, I know all your stats from Germantown for, for football. And you just kind of like, okay, you know what I'm saying? I never met you before. Uh, okay, you either impressed by that or you creeped out by it. But typically, they learn that information through somebody they know. Maybe they're looking at your social media. I mean, come on, we all been there. Um, and they kind of pick up on these unique things about you. But Jesus... Jesus didn't need any secondary sources. I mean, he's God. And so he knew Nathaniel. Jesus knew Nathaniel before he even met Nathaniel. Jesus says, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree, I saw you. And there is healthy speculation between biblical scholars that believe that Nathaniel, at some point before Philip found him, he was under a fig tree, maybe reading the account of Jacob in the Old Testament. Or maybe Philip was, was just meditating on, man, what would it look like, the coming Messiah? All these things that I'm reading, all these prophecies that's foretelling the future. 
So Nathaniel was having an experience with God that nobody else knew about but Jesus. Nathaniel was so moved by this work of Jesus, he professed, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus, I love the way Jesus, he said, because I told you this, you believed, but you will see greater things, greater things. And obviously, as we continue to read, the disciples, they did see greater things, all kinds of miracles firsthand. We're going to head over to John chapter 3 pretty soon. they at a wedding, kicking it, enjoying. They bring out these big old barrels of water, and Jesus turned the big old barrels of water to the best wine. And there's other miracles and other miracles on top of miracles. And you may be thinking, man, Ortez, I hear what you're saying, brother. The disciples, they were there. They can touch Jesus. They can feel him. They can talk to him face to face. They live with him. They did life with him for three years. Of course, it was, it was easy. Of course, they experienced those things firsthand. But let me tell you this. Let me push back on that. So you mean to tell me that Jesus was only doing great works during that time? Has he stopped? Think about your own personal testimony. <laughs> Think about it. How much God has delivered you from. That's a great work. Look around in his room. Just look. Look side to side. Nobody in here is the exact same. So you talk about great work, that, that God will bring a group of individuals from diverse backgrounds, <laughs> ethically, educationally, geographically, socioeconomically, spiritually, and to bring us together for his name's sake, to worship him. Not just that, when we leave uh, Sunday throughout the week to do life with him, the stories I'm hearing in community groups, communities walking with couples who experience loss and infertility, but they're being encouraged despite the heavy news. That's a great word. Think about the family members that you have right now. You've been praying for for several years. God, would you save them? God, would you deliver them? God, would they see you for who you are? And some of us can testify you got a text message, a phone call, and say, brother, sister, everything you've been saying is real to me now. <laughs> I gave my life to Christ. He's doing the work in me. That's a great work. Think about the generational curses that are being broken. <laughs> my own story, trauma, brokenness, empty promises. Absent father, God had a plan for me to say, son, I'm going to redirect you on a different path. That's a great work, and I'm going to testify to that. Brothers and sisters, Jesus said we will see greater things. He wasn't just talking to Philip. He wasn't just talking to the disciples then. He's talking to the church now. Greater things are yet to come. I know... Some of y'all probably tune me out. It happens. I get it. But I can't, I can't leave this stage without challenging you, without pleading to you. Don't let another day go by without you accepting this invitation to come and follow Jesus. 
for those of you who've already accepted that invitation at some point, you're questioning that. I want to invite you to come again to follow Jesus. It's not about getting yourself together. If that was the case, you would never come. The, the work has already been done. He met everything that we lacked <laughs> through his finished work, his, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. But he said, come, come yet again and experience these rich, deep, abundant blessings now and forevermore until he calls us home. Would y'all come? You don't have to come down here <laughs> per se. Come right there in your seat. God know where you are. He saw Nathaniel before he even met him. You don't think he know where you are? He know exactly where you are. Be honest. Be authentic. Be weak. Be desperate. Come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are so kind. You are gracious. More than we can ever imagine. But yet you, you have scooped low. <laughs> in a humiliating way, to be wrapped in flesh, being born of a virgin, being born in a poor family, being ridiculed, mocked, to the point that you were killed in, in an unjust way. But you had, a, you had a purpose. You had us in mind because you loved us so much. And God, I pray you will find us where we are and that, God, we will no longer run from you. We will no longer resist you. But, God, we will come to enjoy the blessings, not just what you provide, but the blessing of you. And so, Father, thank you for the love that you had displayed in various ways and the work that you will continue to do in us, through us, and around us. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen, amen. As we stand to our feet to receive the benediction, let us reflect all week on some of the questions that Jesus was asking and had been asked throughout the narrative. Go ahead and stretch it out right now. Because when you leave this place, you got the power of God. His spirit lives within you. And we don't walk with a spirit of fear and timidity. God has given us a spirit that we know he will do works and has already do, done works and will continue to work in our hearts and minds. Amen, somebody? Jackson, Tennessee, thank you for being with us this morning. Y'all give it up for them. If you want to drive 50 minutes to come and hear word again, come worship with us again. Amen. But thank you all for coming to Memphis and doing some of the work. Thank you, Danita, for all of the work you do. And with young lives and in our city, yeah, y'all give God praise for that. Give God praise. Uh, if you want to know more about what Danita is doing in her ministry, please email her, reach out to her, um, and figure out what is going on there. Lift out your hands as if you're about to receive the biggest gift you've ever received in your life. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Beloved, we all say together, Go in peace.